Okay, hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Good Bit Podcast. We are back in business again, chatting about another classic movie, as we continue to chart our journey through talking about some of the world's most important films. And my name is Chris Moffat, and once again I'm joined by my friend, my good close personal friend, and my, I was going to say my brother from another mother, but listen, we're way too old for that kind of pattern. Aaron Docker's back on the show, how are you this week, my friend? I am just splendid. Uh, I wouldn't say we're too old for that kind of pattern. You don't think uh, so? Yeah, I'll go go ahead, say it. Okay. He is my brother from another... See, I can't even... I can't nah, even, it's kind I of can't even do it. Fine. I'm too... Um, never mind. Uh, we also are once again joined by Ian Grieve. He's back on the show after the Terminator episode. Ian, since that day that we recorded the Terminator episode, have you been soaking in all the admiration from the Good Bit listeners that have, that have demanded that you're back today? I don't know. I haven't noticed, have they? <laughs> Because I'm not on the platform. Do people did people like me enough? Yeah, well, on recording yeah, day, we yeah. we've literally just posted an episode yesterday. Um, right. So ah, we're, well. we're still waiting on the verdict, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, so, someone said best episode ever or something like that. Really? Did they? Didn't they? There you go. It might, yeah. it might have been Aaron. I don't know. So it might have yeah, 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 it was probably me. Yeah. A, a friend of mine. I was a bit drunk yesterday. It was my wife's birthday. <laughs> oh, was it really? So there's no telling what I was up to, really. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, it's all a blur. Yes. How was yesterday but, then? Was it fun? It, it was good. She was good. She was on good form. Uh, it has to be said. Yeah. Uh, it's not actually her birthday. She's like the queen, my wife. You know, she has a, a an official birthday and an unofficial birthday. I see. So you know, she has one that's convenient for partying and socialising, and she has another one which is usually midweek. Right. Right. And she's you know stuff so yeah yeah that's what she does you know because he's had so many of them now that's fair that's fair yeah. <laughs> well how was your week then did well, you did you get to watch any lovely films this week um i i didn't I've, I've been watching it's funny i don't get time to watch films at the moment we're very busy at work yeah and uh, and uh so i've not been settling down to watching films um now did i watch no i didn't i was watching i've been keeping up with one division and stuff like mm-hmm. that and uh, what else? Um, nothing much else. No, I'm not in the mood for films at the moment. It's really weird. And isn't it's it funny not... how that happens? Me and Aaron yeah. talked about that before, how it was it, just before we started doing The Good But again, we were both in that kind of rut. And one of the reasons we wanted to start doing a new season of The Good But was to get back into that kind of rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Somebody's just walked in on me. And... Dumped clothes. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because you think this is the perfect time, but I feel I feel that I'm wasting my life if I do that a little bit. You know? Yeah, right. I think I think it's a symptom and, of, of lockdown. You like you sit down mm-hmm. on a screen all day, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it, it's hard to commit to sitting down That's for another it. two hours. Yeah, I was trying I was trying to buy blue light saving glasses the oh, other day. Yeah, blue block. I can't get them. Yeah, but I can't get them on prescription very easily. Right, you know, I don't trust it. Uh, so, yeah, but so I've got this thing that I put in front of my laptop now. What is what and, is? Um, it's just a. What a, do they do, blue blockers? What are they? Well, it's, apparently, stops blue light, so it doesn't give you a headache. But it it works a little bit better. Right, it's been a little better, but it's still, you know, when you're on from nine o'clock to four o'clock or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. Last bloody thing you want to do is watch the telly, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm reduced to things like Bake Off and the pottery throwdown and you know <laughs> shite like that you know i didn't just to i didn't take you as a pottery throwdown 
Type well, you'd think I know, but I'm I'm rather intrigued by it. it I find it quite tense. <laughs> it, 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 it does. It does. It, you know, I, I can't bear it. It's even they're carrying the stuff to the drying room and back. You know, it's it's, it's <laughs> oh dear. It's like watching Junior Bake Off, watching the kids putting stuff in the fridge. Right. You know, the fridges are far too high <laughs> for the kids, so inevitably everything falls on their head when they try to put it. <laughs> it's cruel. <laughs> Bloody awful, but anyway, anyway, yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah, yes. Sorry to lower the tone there. No, 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 no at all. No. Listen, we're not just strict to films on this podcast. If we're, if we're watching Junior Bake Off, that's to be discussed too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will bore you with things, you know, very shortly. You know, I'll probably <laughs> I'll get my swing back, and I'll be all about movie and all that. Kind yeah, of thing, you know? no, I know, but it's fine because th- this particular episode was an Ian choice. Um, at the end of the Terminator episode, we left everybody on a, a cliffhanger. And uh, we were discussing what film we were going to watch next. And Aaron and I watched a film on Netflix called Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson. Oh, yeah. So that oh. dropped last week. And now this week we're back to Ian's choice. And he chose The Untouchables, which we're going to get to in a bit. But speaking of Untouchable, Aaron, are you still untouchable at Hermes? <laughs> <I'm> st- <laughs> yeah, no one can touch me. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm a first class driver. Uh, I've oh, taken yeah. the business. I'm on my way to being CEO. Um, no, actually not getting many shifts, to be honest. Um, uh, although I did, I did have a bit of a nightmare the other day. Uh, I'm a bit ignorant of how some apartments work. And apparently, well, I just, I I went in and if there's a mailing box available that's big enough, you can put the parcel in there and you select mailing box on the app and they get a ping and it's all fine. You don't have to. Say hello, you don't have to knock on the door. COVID-19, mm-hmm. it's always best. Of course. So yeah. in this apartment block, they had all, there was these two doors on each floor, and in between the two doors to each apartment was this sort of pulley-out thing that looked to me like a mailbox of some sort. Um, I really assumed it was. <laughs> so I put the parcel in and shut the thing and just heard this sort of like it had gone miles. <laughs> Uh, didn't sound right to me so I opened it back up and the parcel was gone Um, so I sort of started to use my brain a bit and realised that it was a a trash thing that people in their apartments could just hop out their door and put their trash in a thing I'd put it in the package and I was panicking like mad I was like well it'd been a long shift and I'm not going to lie part of me, this is what Hermes does to you Part of me was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm off. They can figure <laughs> yeah, it out. I'm going home. Yeah. But no, I went down into the the bottom of the apartments. I was searching around the bottom of the building. I made my way into the basement of the thing. Oh wow! Climbed oh, yeah. in a skip and found it with the with the chute that had come down straight into the skip. <laughs> <laughs> and that was funny. I thought I thought of this podcast as soon as that happened. I was really? Like, oh, you thought I'm going to tell it on that? Well, you just said that you're not getting many shifts. Is this one of the reasons why? (laughs) Well, they've no way of knowing. It was perfectly right. It wasn't dirty. Um, Maybe there was maybe there was CCTV, and they went, "Look at the Hermes guy. He's been done." Amazon. He's been. It's not that they think you've been sort of going through the their bins, (laughs) and then he's gone for a snack for stuff. (laughs) Folk do that, don't they? They look for broken things that they can fix. Yeah, yeah, they do. There's nothing wrong with that, really, is there? I don't suppose there is. I guess well, I could be just round the pond. It's, it's quite a, 
I, I don't know why, because it's actually quite a nice thing to do, isn't it? Reuse. It's, it's helping the planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, no. Uh, so we're all good then. So so you were you found the parcel. I'm um, assuming you didn't know what was inside because you didn't open it. No, it, well, it was an Amazon, one of those Amazon um, small, I assumed it was a book or something. Do you know what I mean? Right, okay. One of, one of that kind of thing. So it wasn't like a, you know, crystal jar. Yeah. I am... So I am one of my mates who I do the other podcast with, the Wrestling Connection, Glenn. Uh, it was his birthday, just the other day, and uh, I was sending my book from the post like as a present and a card and that sort of thing. And I was going to take it to him, but he lives in Bear's Den and we're not really supposed to travel and stuff. And I said, well, it might be like a fun like um, thing for him to get. Like, I could do like an unboxing, if you will. Um, and be like, oh, it's a present. I don't know who it's from. And then they open it and it's for me and it's a nice surprise or whatever. Story to tell on the podcast. And uh, first of all, I wrote his address on the box, but I forgot to write his name on the box. <laughs> I just wrote the address. So I went to the, the post office and I said to the guys, like, I need to buy a Sharpie. I need, to write, <laughs> I need to write his name here. But the guy said it was fine. But then he organized, well, not himself, but his wife organized the mystery, murder mystery for his, uh, for his birthday. A surprise murder mystery. And uh, we did that for his, his 30th birthday. We sat on Friday night. We had a script. We all had characters. It was a story. We sat on Zoom, and we took part in a virtual murder mystery, and it was my first murder mystery ever. I was a little bit nervous because, I mean, it's not particularly heavy acting, really, but it was, like, the first time I'd, like, looked at a character in a while, <laughs> and I'd looked yeah. at, like, stuff I had to remember and things like that, and I was like, man, can I remember how to do this? So, like, I put on a suit and a waistcoat and stuff to play that I was, like, the night manager of this hotel, and it was a lot of fun. So maybe we should do that for the good bit. A murder mystery. A murder mystery. But now I've told you, then it's not really going to be a surprise. That sounds like an idea. It was good, yeah. And in between yeah. doing the murder mystery, I was watching uh, One Division, as you said, Ian, and then, of course, reporting back mm. with the with the film that we're chatting about today, um, which is, of course, uh. Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. Shall we get into it? Yes. Why not? Well, what did you make of it? I'll let Aaron go first. All right. I, um, I was a big fan of it. Uh, I liked it very, very much. Um, I I st- actually started watching it because it was a link rather than on a a streaming server. So I was like, well, I'll have to let- watch it on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Right. I started watching it on my laptop and the opening credits came and the first scene happened and I stopped it and I was like, no, I've got to find a way to get this on the telly and show everyone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I instantly knew. I, as soon as I heard the, the score... Um, yeah. Morricone score and um, the Do-do-do. first scene and just I was like I think this is going to be my vibe and I want to share it with people yeah. um, and it was my vibe and we had a good time watching it uh, yeah I really liked it did you watch it with everybody like yeah. did, with your fam and stuff yeah, yeah great get down. wonderful that's um, good and did they yeah. like it they really liked it yes yeah. um, my girlfriend really yeah. liked it yeah she doesn't she doesn't often like things, you know. So um, I could have imagined that was kind of up her street, though. She likes yeah, um, like Peter Weir films and that sort of thing, doesn't she? Like she's into that sort of uh, yeah. Okay, she's into yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, um, I'm I'm very much the same. I am. I very much enjoyed the film. Uh, it is one of those ones that's been on my list for a long time because it's like I think everybody has these films that are classics that you just haven't seen before, just for one reason or another. It is you've missed it somehow, being on the telly, or you don't have the DVD or whatever. You know, yeah. there's a bunch of them. Um, that I've not seen, like Terminator 2 and things like that, you know? Um, oh. 
So having this one on my list for a long time, and then because Ian recommended it a couple weeks ago, I was like, yes, this is a good excuse to finally watch it. And um, I was buzzing watching it. It was great. It was such a easy watch. It flew by, really. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, just in does. terms of the pacing of it and that sort of thing. Maybe it's got to do with the the David Mamet style of writing, dialogue sort of thing. I don't know. Um, but just in terms of of, of the story yeah. progressing and the and the characters and um, not knowing what's going to happen either. I mean, how many classic films are out there that you already know what's happening because they're classic mm. films and you hear about them through the grapevine and stuff and through other things. Um, but still, not really yeah. knowing what was going to happen with the story. I knew that there was going to be one part of the film where there was a baby in a buggy falling downstairs yeah. and that was it you know so it was really nice watching that a classic film that i didn't know what was going on um yeah i really enjoyed it so ian why did you Fantastic. why did you choose this one for this week? it's always been one of my favorite films um i i i went to see i saw it in the cinema when it came out which must have been 1987 yeah. so uh that was just before the year before I went to drama college, and I can't remember why I went to see it. I think a friend of mine had recommended it, and I didn't really know anything about it. I I, I remember watching it the way that you two watched it. I didn't know what was coming. Mm. I didn't really know. I hadn't heard of Kevin Costner. Um, I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't know who wrote it, who directed it, or anything. And uh, I just remember sort of being taken away by it, you know, the the, the very thing that you're talking about, that if you don't know what's coming, it's it's actually more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those little gems and you think, oh, you know, it's just, it's always been on my list ever since. And uh, it's, it's remarkable how it came about, you know, because it's based on an old TV series from the late 50s, early 60s in America. Did they, did they remake and, um, it as a series recently? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, there's, there's always been a kind of Elliot Ness right. thing, uh, TV thing, I suppose, going back to that original, you know, series with Robert Stack, who was the guy, the very melodramatic guy in Airplane. That's maybe how a lot of your listeners might know. Yeah, yeah. And he talks, you know, he's, he, uh, how is he? He's, uh, he's very, um, he talks like that, you know, he's very uh, melodramatic in okay, his delivery. That's right, you know? yeah. And uh, that's how he talks, and that's not a very good impersonation. But that's the, but he's in that, and uh, so, so so I didn't know what to expect because I didn't really know the television series. I wasn't alive then. But the um, yeah, there was there's a sort of convoluted story as to how it came about, and I think that's interesting as well because uh, like most fantastic, well, like a lot of fantastic films, they happen by accident. Mm. You know, and, and there's elements of the story of how. The Untouchables came about that that's similar to maybe Casablanca, you know, because that was hard. That wasn't planned uh, to be the classic. It was. It was kind of made uh, on the hoof, right? <laughs> sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's elements of The Untouchables that was done like that. So there's there's there's. It's a good story, you know. Yeah. I think. Um, and so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that people still like it when they watch it. It doesn't let you down, you know. It still has the. The magic it had then, because it's what it's nearly thirty odd years old now. Yeah. Um, and uh, Brian De Palma really ended up doing it uh, because his previous films flopped. Um, hmm. He he was he's very much a sort of Hitchcock guy. You know, he's, he's a friend of Spielberg's and um, yeah, you know, uh, Milius and Coppola and um, George Lucas and all that. He's he's among that group. Scorsese, he's in that group um, who 
and were all sort of quite friendly. And uh, he, out of them all, he was the one that tended to want to be Hitchcock. So a lot right. of his films are remakes of Hitchcock films. And it's quite interesting because Mamet, David Mamet wrote the script for Untouchables and he said himself that most of his plays are rewriting Arthur Miller plays. Oh, you really? know? So, mm-hmm. so it comes from, yeah, so it, it comes from that place. And um, uh, Brian De Palma's previous film was Body Double, mm. which was uh, a little bit like, um, you know, Driller Killer in in its um, <laughs> uh, aesthetic, shall we say? <laughs> so it didn't it didn't do terribly well. Um, and uh, I I don't know how people would view it now, you know, yeah. but um, he uh, he didn't have a great success with that. And then I think he made the the Bruce Springsteen video with Courtney Cox. That's right, Dancing in the Dark. That that's it. right, yeah. And I, and I think that was the last thing he did. And then he was going to direct Fatal Attraction. That's right. He was going to be directing Fatal Attraction. He was going to be the director of that. And then he, the, the script, he wasn't quite happy with the script, so he left that project. And I think within days, someone said to him, well, if you're not busy, uh, there's this. <laughs> and so he start he and they they were quite a way down the way. They'd already booked um, Kevin Costner, right? So he he asked people about Kevin Costner because he'd worked with people like Lawrence Kasdan mm. in Silverado, I think. And 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 people were saying, no, go with the guy; he's good. Yeah, because he was already on. And um, Bob Hoskins was slated to play Al Pacino. Eh, no, Al Pacino. Al, Al, Capone. Al Capone. Yeah. And but but it, all in all, he felt it was a bit too British because uh, Sean Connery was playing the Irish cop, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. he had Andy Garcia, but he felt it was a bit drawing roomy. So he um, so he, he he wanted to get Bobby De Niro, and De Niro took ages to decide. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Well, weeks and weeks, and he kept holding off, and then eventually he said yes, but he says it's going to be expensive. Because De Niro wanted to do the whole weight thing, right. weight uh-huh. gaining thing, and shave his hair, and he wanted silk underpants and thing. Now I'm sure that wouldn't break the bank of a Hollywood movie, but <laughs> he wanted all the proper underwear and stuff like yeah. that. So he, he said it's going to be expensive. Do you think but, maybe De Niro took so long to decide because he had done similar films in the past, similar gangster-like films in the past? I think, yeah, definitely. It's got to be right. I think, I think he thought, "What can I do?" Yeah. You know, what's going to be so special about the way I do it? What can I do? You know, because Bob Hoskins at the time was quite a hot property. He was uh, he was uh, on the back of things like Mona Lisa. So so actually he was he was a star at the time. Right. He was a, he was he was actually quite a, um what's the word I'm looking for? Believable or uh, credible. Credible, yeah, he was a credible option, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the word. Thank you. And um, so, so I think De Niro finally figured out how he was going to do it, and then thought, "Yeah, I'll do it." You yeah. Know? Um, and uh, but he, apparently, yeah, he had lots of trouble learning his lines and all that stuff. Oh, really? The Palmer was going through lines with him. Yeah, it was a kind of strange brand or thing. Difficult. It was a yes, yes. Uh, I've uh, I indeed have not yeah. seen De Niro in many films as like the all-out villain. I don't know mm. if that's because I haven't seen enough films, but I feel like that's an oversight on many people's like case. He is, I, I, uh, I just think, I just remember going, of course De Niro is a brilliant villain. Villain, uh, Absolutely, uh, yeah, because I don't know if it's like his newer films now, because everybody just goes, oh, it's Robert De Niro. We yeah. have to play a likeable character. Maybe yeah. not a likeable character, but he's a likeable actor, you know? So we watch him maybe yeah. through different goggles these days. He's done like those comedies and stuff with like Anne Hathaway and Zac Efron and things like that in the past few yeah. years. Yeah. And then he did The Irishman, of course, but he's a very likeable character in The Irishman. So maybe it's this generation 
that's like that with him, you know, and then you forget about these performances that he is a real bad bastard well, there sometimes. Was, there was a couple of films. I mean, the one one of the films, this was after Untouchables, he did um, Cape Fear, mm. the remake of Cape Fear for Scorsese, and he's fantastic in that. Mm. He's it's really evil, and he couldn't be physically more different in it as well, because for Cape Fear, he was, you know, he was well buff, you know, and evil looking, he was amazing. Um, so, so it was a remarkable. He did put himself through it physically uh, at the time, definitely. Yeah, and, I think a lot uh, of actors probably around that time were, were kind of doing the same thing in terms of taking a role and really just becoming the character, you know, um, yeah, in any yeah. way that they can. Yeah, uh-huh. I liked them. Um, you, you were saying that it was interesting for us watching it for the first time, and you thought this is the sort of film that it benefits from that because you don't know what's coming, you don't know who's yeah. going to die, you don't know who the killer is, and all that sort of thing. Um, I always say that I prefer watching films maybe a second time because I know the film is good or I've, I've had my first impressions went one way the first time I've watched it and then the second time I'm more looking yeah. at the bigger picture, really. And I always like yeah. to look at films more than once. But I don't know if this would be the same. I think watching this film going forward, I'm sure I'll enjoy it just as much. But I think this is the sort of film, you know, where there is a, uh-huh. a, a constant unknown, you know. You, yeah. you look at, um, what's his name, Sean Connery's character you think there's no way they're going to kill him off he's far too likable yeah you know spoiler um Uh so so then there's that moment and it's just yeah i don't know how this will be in a number of years time when i watch this for the third or fourth viewing you know i just i i I mean i adore that i think the i think mamet is at his best and i think de palma's at his best Mm. ennio morricone i mean that was i mean uh, in that era of Ennio, Ennio Morricone, uh, well, you could say The Mission was a wonderful score, but I think Untouchable. That's right, The Mission. The That's right. Forgot about The Mission. Yeah, well, Ennio Morricone was very busy in the eighties, in the late eighties, nineties. So, so, and, and but I think Untouchables is among one of his best. It's just it's stunning. Yeah. So percussive and it is stunning. Yeah, and and the way that he can actually he, I mean, I don't if you remember the score terribly well from a first viewing, but there's those wonderful rousing. Uh, string swirls that he uses, yeah, um, uh, and wonderful percussive blasts of glory and and victory, you know. But then you've got these incredible, uh, like the the, the 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 whole soundtrack to the the station steps scene, yeah, we've done so incredible. That's well, incredible, like, yeah. You know, the, the, ten, the tension in that one scene, you yeah. know. And it's and like again, that was um, De Palma making it up as he goes along because the, in the budget, the uh, Mamet had scripted a train chase mm. uh, to get the, the the bookkeeper. There was a chase on the train, and they couldn't afford it. They didn't do it, and that's the point when Mamet said, "Well, I'm not writing anymore," and he he basically he wasn't doing any more rewrites, oh, wow. you know. So there was no script about what we're going to do instead. <laughs> and um, De Palma, basically, he based it on the whole uh, Battleship Potemkin Odessa Steps scene. Yeah. So, how, how do you say it? Potemkin? Potem- I just call it Potemkin, or it could be Potemkin or something Potemkin. like that. Battleship Potemkin. Yeah. yeah. So, that one has been on my list for a long time, too. Um, mm. And I watched a little bit of it before we started recording today. Um, yeah. I was killing time before we went for a, a walk earlier. Um, so, I was yeah. I, I put a bit of that on. And I mean, I haven't quite got to the step scene yet. I'm looking forward to that right. bit. But I mean, yeah. what a way to watch a film. I don't know if you looked at it, Aaron, but it's it's one of those ones where it's, I mean, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, Ian, but, and that wasn't an age joke. I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the style of film 
it's like the the action's going on and, it, and it's like someone's speaking but there's mm. no subtitles on the screen it goes off yeah. to a black screen and that's what the, the subtitles come up there so it's just an interesting way to watch a film and it's refreshing yeah. for me who hasn't seen many films like that you know it's just the honest yeah. truth about it it's interesting watching the film and it kind of adds to the enjoyment of watching a film like that you know well it's kind of a film school baby Right, uh, Battleship Potemkin and the Odessa Step scene because of its use of editing and montage and sense of direction of the way that people are moving in the frame and all this kind of thing. So it's so in film theory classes, it's it's an absolute classic. And so you, you used that. I think I remember that when the step scene happened in the Untouchables. I was I was like, I have seen this before. Yes, and I was, was going to say that one of our first lessons at Enclan. Yes, yeah, we watched. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it was Ian or if it was our friend Tony. I wasn't sure. I may I have it probably Ian. was Ian. I have done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you, you showed us the, the scene back to back with Battleship Potemkin and right. this. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's how I discovered it. It was through Untouchables. I didn't know anything about it until after that, you know. And then you'd hear people like Martin Scorsese and Brian Tamara talking about old films, and, and even George Lucas talks about the Hidden Fortress, inspiring mm. the, the Kurosawa film, inspiring him. Uh, to make Star Wars and so on, so so you know it made sense to sort of have a look at those things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I think that's that's the reason I do it is because I want you know it's, it's I know it's a slightly geeky thing, but it's about saying you know well these things have been done before, but that part of the the force of creativity is to actually look at stuff that's happened before and see wh- how it can inspire you yeah. to do something, you know, and, uh, and, and so, th- and that's the reason I do it in class, you know, yeah. it's just, uh, you know, there's, there's, it doesn't matter where the ideas come from. Yeah, totally. The, the more um... you, you're open to these things, the, you know, the, the better, but it's this whole idea of montage and stuff that Eisenstein did uh, that, uh, and others, um, the Russians basically, you know, were, pioneers massive pioneers of all of all that theory it's just interesting i just yeah. i just i like watching different styles of films and different eras of films and that sort of thing because even if they're not going to be ones that i'm going to go back to every week you know it's just it's nice yeah. to kind of have that in your in your the back of your head you know mm. um, apart from anything else it's just a very theatrical moment yeah I mean, The Untouchables is an incredibly theatrical film. Yes. Absolutely, and it's a great play. Appeals, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the way that it's very operatic, you know, and uh, the, some of the camera angles, and you know, the, the De Niro's Al Capone is a larger than life character. Um, Elliot Ness is an unbelievably good man, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and almost unbelievable in the fact. But 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 you want to believe that someone that. Uh, good could exist and what's wonderful about the film that i think hooks you in is that he is it's it's as sean connery's character says what are you prepared to do Mm. you have to compromise you have to go to the darker side of your yourself in order to achieve what you want to achieve for the greater good yeah you know so you can't do things by being completely honest all the time and and there's those wonderful moments where you think early and this is bending the rules slightly and you think oh right we've got a chance now you yeah, know yeah. but, but isn't, what 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 is that saying you know it's so dark isn't it but then moments where he's at the train station and he sees the woman struggling with the pram and he yeah. he, he can't help himself he you has know, to yeah. go and help her you know 
and we and and it completely engages with the audience. It totally, you know, our imaginations are going crazy. You know, like oh my god, the baby's going to get shot. Yeah, <laughs> and all these bullets yeah. are flying everywhere and blood splattering all the oh, It's fantastically done. Yeah, wonderfully. Um, done. Aaron, what did you think of of young Kevin Costner here? Because I I have seen Kevin Costner in loads of films, but they've been really, you know, um, I don't want to say daft action films, but I've seen like the later half of his career. You know. This was like Kevin Costner in his prime that I'd I had seen for the first time in a long time. I honestly, I'm not a big, I don't have a much knowledge on Kevin Costner, and I, I don't yeah. know if I could tell you if I was. I even thought Sean Connery. I was like, do you know what? I don't think I've seen Sean Connery in a film other than Indiana Jones and maybe a bit of James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> and what a, what a, what a yeah. career catalog he has, and I was like, wow, Sean Connery is really good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, his accents, you know, this, whatever. I just thought, you know, thought, you know he's Scottish. It's, it's, yeah, but it's I just think one, it's Sean Connery doing an accent. You know what I mean? I don't uh, care that it was, wasn't yeah. great. <laughs> but uh, he won the Oscar for that one. He oh, was the best wow. supporting actor. That was his Oscar. Yeah. Wow, I yeah, see that. that film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you see, he's such a good man. Elliot Ness, um, and yeah. you know the way, like you've heard the name Elliot Ness in so many things. Yeah, <laughs> it's just nice putting a face to a name watching this film. Yeah. I'd also I heard... think he's a, I think he's a brilliant actor. I had this yeah. argument with Gregor on an our podcast in the past, but I don't know. Gregor doesn't think much of him, but I think he's brilliant. I think it's really hard to play someone like that. Oh, yeah. I think it's like James Stewart or Gary Cooper, or you know, yeah, he's done so much. Is actually an everyman. Even Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He plays. He's he's brilliant at being an everyman. And that's the key to what they do. It's not, there's no fireworks going. There's nothing where you go, oh my God, mind you, Tom Hanks has won three Oscars, you know. Right. But, but uh, and, and uh, Costner's won a fair few as well. But um, there's, uh, there's something about being able to just play a, a character that is that straight, that, uh, that holds the movie together. That's a really difficult thing to do. I think, and I um, think he, uh, he does a brilliant job in that film and, and has in subsequent films, you know. Yeah, I think probably the reason Gregor wasn't a big fan is because you were talking about the film Criminal. Um, and I don't think oh, that, that was appalling. If yeah. I remember correctly, you didn't like that one, so yeah, that was awful. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, you hear Kevin Costner, just that it's one of the more like recent films he's been in. He was in Criminal, he did a bit in Batman vs. Superman. Oh, god, he oh, uh, uh, he right, did Molly's yeah. Game, which was actually a really good film. I thought um, he was good in that, yeah. Yeah, The yeah. Highwaymen, too. He's, he's done some things recently, which maybe we should check out, but you know, things like The Bodyguard and stuff like that are classics, you know. Well, there's um, ones where he was playing. I mean, Robin Hood and things like that. Robin I mean, Hood, like yeah. Joke, but 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 there there have been films. Um, I'm thinking of there's one where he was playing a, a, a serial killer, um, uh, Mister Something. It's called. Um, um, hang on, I'll get up on IMDb. I don't, I don't know if anybody's got IMDb up. Um, but I, I thought know. that was quite something as well. Um, Whenabouts was that? Do you know, Mister Brooks? Oh, Mr. Brooks, yeah, it was quite interesting. Mr. Brooks, you know, it's it's because there's a darkness that he's he's got in it, and I thought, yeah, there's um, Mr. Brooks and uh, Open Range. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a no, cowboy film. It's brilliant. It's what about really uh, Dances with Wolves? He's in that too. Well, he directed that as well. So oh, I see, right. uh, that was a, a great job, you know. And uh, and I love him in JFK. That's fantastic as well. Mm. There's not a lot of actors who would be able to hold that film yeah. together um and and keep that momentum going there's a real skill to that uh another film a perfect world which he made after 
the bodyguard. I would recommend Perfect World as well. Okay, noted. There's some wonderful stuff in that. Cool. That's, that's the point of uh, this new season of The Good Bit, is finding all these different films that we've never explored before, so we'll, we'll yeah. definitely check them out. Uh, what about Sean Connery then? So, you know, Sean Connery, this legendary actor, James Bond, as you see, Indiana Jones for a bit. Um, how, how did you find him in as, as Jim Malone? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, like I just don't, I haven't seen many Sean Connery films. I think I said this last podcast, like with things like Terminator and Sean Connery, they're so ingrained mm. in pop culture that they've become memes for one of you know they've become yeah, parodies yeah. of themselves and you sort of think sean connery yeah yeah james bond he's been in many films and uh, probably yeah i'm sure he's very yeah. good people do the voice all the time you know what i mean but you, yeah. you actually sitting down and watching him do his stuff you really appreciate how talented of a man he was um and like when you watch down and sit down and watch terminator it's like actually terminator is a really good film right but when you just think of terminator you think of sean connery that like that's not what i often think of i just sort of think of jokes yeah, when things, cheesy get, lines when things get so popular yeah. they become jokes and I think that's a shame yeah um, that's a shame it's like almost giving up something to the masses I don't like know yeah. there's probably some something, something in that some reason for that but um, yeah I was struck by that just being reminded I mean it was great he was that. so likeable <laughs> you know so likeable in this, in this role um, I was gutted when Again, spoiler, he was shot. Um, but times. even in that in that in that scene where he's crawling because he still has to help, you know, Elliot Ness, he's still a good man too. You know, he has to, you know, he wants to make sure that the, the people don't get away with this, you know. Um and I loved the the, the courtroom scene. I know we're jumping about the place here, but I loved the courtroom right. scene right at the end with De Niro sitting there looking all happy and stuff, and then they switch the juries and stuff. I yeah. thought it was brilliant. I've never seen that before, really. And I was thinking, what's gonna happen here? Like is is Al Capone gonna gonna get killed here or what's gonna happen? Yeah. But it wasn't that at all. He's just he was just put away. Like the bad guy got his, you know. Yeah, well, it, that's true. I mean, he was they had to get him on tax evasion eventually. That yeah. was true. Um, but the I think the Connery thing is it's so well done because and the Untouchables is an old movie made in 1987. Right, it's it's an old film. It's a it's like an old. Uh, John Ford or uh, Capra movie or, or or Howard Hawks movie made in 1987, and right. and and if you are casting it back in the day, you would cast somebody like Clark Gable, right? You know, or or Errol Flynn. You need somebody who's got a not not young Errol Flynn, but an older Errol Flynn. Somebody who's gristly and cynical and shouts and bad tempered. But in spite of that, you absolutely adore them. You yeah. know, they're they're big and cuddly and all that. And really, right. there is, at, in 1987, I, I can't think of anybody else apart from Connery who could have done that. Uh, because he was, you know, he's a cynical, wisecracking, um, mm. sort of pissed off uh, beat cop, you know, uh, and who we absolutely have to adore. Because if we don't, there's that whole scene later on where Elliot Ness is seriously considering just shooting this guy mm -hmm. who's hanging on a rope. Yeah, he, that's right. You killed my friend. You have to, for that to work. You've got to believe he would do it. Yeah. 
Uh, and the only reason you believe he would do it is because his pal's just been massacred, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and 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 we're all feeling the shock of that as well. You can't kill Connery; they're dead, you know. Yeah, that's that was a funny thinking, thing. Yeah. There's a funny thing when they were, sorry to hog it, but when there was there was a funny thing when they were filming it because Brian De Palma put all these shot these squibs on Sean Connery, you know, because uh, he's shot by a machine gun, a Tommy gun. So all these explosions go off on him, you know, as he's getting shot. And Connor hated it. <laughs> he was like, or you can imagine what a bad temper he was, you know, quite <laughs> grumpy um, at times. And uh, he hated it. And uh, and the pal was joking with him, saying, well, have you never been shot before? You were James Bond. He says, well, I was James Bond. I never got never shot. Never died. Of course. You know? <laughs> James Bond doesn't get shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, he's never had this before, you know, because he was always playing that kind of hero. Yeah. Um, so it's so, really refreshing to see that, though, then. Uh, absolutely. So he got killed and he got, he, there was something got in his eye and he was taken to hospital. Oh. And De Palma had to beg him to do another take. Uh, to come back and do another take, uh, absolutely on his knees, begging him because he hated it, you know. But um, you know, and he was saying, "Look, this big movie." I, I dare say he explained the whole thing because it is a wonderful moment—the whole montage with the opera, and you've got De Niro crying, right. yeah, listening yeah, to the, listening to uh, is it, is it La, uh, oh, was it the Pad Pad? Oh, I can't remember the one with the clown. But anyway, you know when he's crying yeah. and you think he's sad because he's listening to the opera, but actually he's laughing because he knows this guy's getting killed. You know? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> it's that is fantastic. Brilliant. Is brilliant. So the audience are thinking, right? God, you've got to get him. You've really got to just do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care if you, you know, break the law in order to do it. Yeah. Just get them. I um I love the fight that Sean Connery has with the other cop. Um. In the kind of alleyway where it's pouring rain, yeah. I just didn't. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought it would be an argument because you see that all the time. Two yeah, ex-workers no. arguing over old news and stuff, but they literally start swinging punches at each other, and then like <laughs> yeah. someone picks up a wooden pallet and starts hitting them with it and stuff. It was like yeah. something out of a totally different film, and I really liked that. It kind of gave you a sort of more modern look at it. I think um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. I just I didn't expect that, and it was a, it was a nice, a nice moment to see them fighting. <laughs> I feel like I. I got uh, David Mamet's sort of masterclass on writing thing on a link. Someone sent it to me. Didn't pay for it. Uh, but, um, and um, I can send it to you if you want, if anyone wants it. Um, yeah, why not? And I, throughout the, a lot of the film, because I watched a lot of that, I could hear his his way of doing things and explaining things. Like a lot, he yeah. just says, like, I got two actors, put them in a room two chairs go uh and a lot of the yeah. scenes are that he just gets two yeah. characters in such a position and they just are there with each other um and like you say in that in that scene they end up hitting each other with yeah. like I, I could just it's really interesting to watch a guy like that work and David absolutely Mamma, that is yeah, yeah you see the scene in the church is a bit like that yes. as well classically done you know it's just yeah Fantastic stuff. The uh, one of the main bad guys, the guys that is like the hitman Billy Drago's character on Nitty, yeah. is it? Uh, scary. Could he look any more like a villain? Scary, very, very. Oh, isn't it scary. wonderful? It's an archetype, isn't it? It's, yeah, dressed the White Devil, you know. Yeah. It's, it, but it is that operatic, isn't it? I mean, that character was a real character, um, but he, he, I don't think he went around like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I believe that was a one of Capone's uh, men. Was called that. That was his name, you know, one of them. And uh, so there's, there's, it's peppered with facts. That's the thing. Elliot Ness was a real person as well. Yeah, 
so it's, it is peppered with facts, but but it's the myth more than anything that that's enjoyable. Um, and and the, the the fight against the the whole this it's what you need every now and then, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Untouchables is a good movie for the moment as well, where you think corruption can be defeated. You know, uh, those those of you those those in power can be questioned, can yeah. be defeated and brought down. I mean, it's it's a cr- bit of a crusade, you know, Elliot Ness's crusade. But yeah. sometimes, as a a viewer, you need something like that just to nourish you a bit. I think you know, and give you a bit of idealism. I think yeah, a bit of hope. So, yeah, hope yeah. indeed. Yeah, it did remind me weirdly of um, when the like when the Canadian uh, whiskey people got raided uh-huh. and there are guns everywhere, get your whiskey away. It kind of reminded me of now when like people have a party and they're like raided, <laughs> and it just when you look at it, it just seems ridiculous. Like people are just like arrested for having a party it's like and of course yeah. there's reasons for that uh-huh. uh but prohibition like i don't know it's weird parallels to to today um, that's i think that's really that's really well observed on it i think that's right yeah i've never thought of that it's as absurd to us isn't it yeah you know the the the, the law that it's imposed for a reason but there's probably more reason for the laws that are imposed on us at the moment than there was for prohibition. Who knows? Yes, but but it know, also but, did remind yeah. me that like America, what the fuck? America is right. just yeah. this yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Not is this? It's an experiment on society, mm. and they did that <laughs> yeah. for like over ten years. They were like, mm, maybe alcohol isn't right. Um, yeah, they just yeah. did that. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. It's just a crazy place, really. But we we don't want to offend anybody over there. So no, if you're no. over there, thank you for listening. I, I think it's oh, it's 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 admirable. It's some sort of totally yeah. huge experiment. It's the American dream, yeah. American experiment. They're just yeah. they're not a well, normal. It's very country. similar to the people who would argue that things like cannabis should be made legal, so that right. you take the opportunities for illegal activities around it away. You know, yeah. you, you if you legalize something, then it, it becomes. You can't sell it in the black market. Yeah, anymore. it's not as cool. You know, well, well, there's that as well. But I don't know how effective that would work. But I certainly think that in terms of things like cannabis, there's all sorts of absurdities, and people use it for medication, and they can't get right. it. It's just bizarre, you know. Because actually, if you legalized it, it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have, you know, be that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into that argument. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, I really don't. But. Um, but yeah, there's, there's similarities to the whole prohibition thing. You know, it was, it, it's hard to imagine that yeah. in yeah, our situation. Totally. Um, what did you make of just a few last points there? What did you make of them all together as a gang, as a group? You know, the Untouchables together. You know, with uh, Oscar Wallace and George Stone, and all together as a, as a team. Do they do they rank up there as some of the best kind of dream teams in cinema? <laughs> <laughs> It should be. It should be considered the Avengers, the, the dream team. Well, it is like Robin Hood, isn't it? You've got Little John, which is Connery. You've got Will Scarlet, who's Andy Garcia, and you've got <laughs> just the really odd guy. That's right. That was and a bit dark, know. wasn't it? And the and the and the lift when that happened, that was, that was a bit dark. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. OMG. Yeah. But that's what I think makes it work. It, 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 yeah. It really is. It does go to very dark places, and you think. No, there's something about this that isn't quite formulaic, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and and of course a playwright like Mama is prepared to go there, you know, and and it's a lot of bravery I think in the uh, on the part of the producers, to you know, because if you take on Brian De Palma, he's gory, you know, he's right. not going to sit back on the gore. That's his that's his stock and trade. He did carry for Christ's sake, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so blood doesn't scare them, you know, so it's going to be gory. Um, and uh, I think it was Art Linson who produced it. I mean, there's a lot of, I don't I don't know much about Art Linson, to be honest. I, I know he was he produced a lot of stuff at the time and, and there was a lot of brave moves in what he did, but um, but I don't know much about him as a person. But uh, certainly I think it, it, there was a lot of bravery in that movie uh, about putting those people together. I can see people nowadays, money, executives sort of going oh no well hang on a minute we've got to worry about box office mm. and uh, right. i think it was, i think it, on the opening weekend it was up against uh what's that film about the hendersons uh, it's john lithgow and a, and a big uh wookie uh not wookie um, <laughs> you know what's that know. one john lithgow it's, it's, it used to, it was a big family favorite but the untouchables beat it at the box office um i don't know so, you wanna, i'm trying to look yet oh uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons, is it right? Oh, it is a Wookiee. Yeah. Bigfoot. Aye, yeah, it's a oh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was up against that, and uh, it, it prevailed. So, you know. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that's interesting as well when you're talking about directors and or just filmmakers in general doing things so they can make certain ratings. You know what I mean? Like, we, we can't do this, but we can't have too much gore because we want to get to this sort of level so we can make more money and that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, Brian De Palma is going to break those rules, you know, with a film like this, you know? So that's really... That's Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think they, they set the precedent when I was watching it anyway, like that first scene when the girl picks up the bag. Right. I think from that. then oh, on, yeah. you know, anything can happen. Because they kill a little girl. You can kill yeah. a little girl, but they right. did. Yeah, that was great. And you yeah. can't kill Sean Connery. <laughs> but they did. They yes, did. They, did. they did. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So very happy we watched this one. Thank you to Ian for recommending it and, and suggesting it this week. No, so great. We will. Uh, we will continue our journey through these films and we'll see what rivals the Untouchables and Terminator and all these great films that we're chatting about here on the Good Bit now. So we hope everybody is doing well out there. What's you got planned this week, Ian? Anything? Anything in store? Oh, just lots of work, and uh, I am um, practicing my diatonic scales on my guitar. That's my week. That guys. sounds incredible. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. You're, I'm sure you're buzzing for it. Aaron, what are you doing this week? Same old. I'll do a bit of deliveries. I'll do a bit of uh, music, and uh, I'll I'll just get on with it. You know. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, we had a a question that I didn't ask at the beginning, but I thought it was interesting. Since uh, we cannot go to the cinema uh, or go to the theatre, I was interested to know what was both of you guys' last trip to the theatre and the cinema before coronavirus? Uh, Okay. Mine's easy. my, My one was Tenet. Oh, okay, yes. that, so that that would have been when the cinemas reopened for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh-huh. before then? Can you can you remember like before it shot originally? Uh, yeah, I can actually. Yeah, it was a Mark Ruffalo film, I think, and uh, I, I was a double bill. Well, well I, it was either um, the, the the what was the Mark Ruffalo film about the poisoned water? Um, oh yeah. Um, I never saw it. I can't. I don't know. Yeah, but I know the one you mean. It was. It was. Yeah. It was that. 
uh, Dark Water. Dark Water. There you go. Uh, and it was either that or uh, the Harley Quinn movie. Well, Birds of Prey, yes. Oh, yeah. mm. Not um, not one of our favourites here on The Good Bit. Um, my... no. <laughs> Let's see. Well, okay, before the original lockdown, my last one was Onward, that Disney film, um, which was right. great. And we, we saw it in full DX, so it was like this massive experience, which was great. And that was, in, that was the start of March 2020. And then yeah. mid-lockdown, when they reopened for a couple of weeks, I saw Tenet twice. Uh, I saw The New Mutants that week. Right. Um, and I also saw Rocky in the cinema, um, which was an amazing experience because I'd watched it when I was younger, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. And mm-hmm. just with the style of the Rocky dialogue and stuff, yeah. I'd always struggled to really understand everything that was going on in the on the movie. Obviously, it's just he, he's a trainee boxer that goes professional. But I mean, like in terms of the the, the beauty of Rocky is the story itself and the the, the story behind the boxing. Um, sure. Yeah. So I just when I was younger, I just I just wanted to see them fighting in the ring, you know. But yeah. seeing it in the cinema with the surround sound and stuff was great. Um, and it really made me appreciate the film a lot more and, and appreciate Sylvester Stallone a hell of a lot more for that film. So I really yeah. think we should do Rocky on the good bit at some point. Um, I think it's a really important film. And I have the, the six film Blu-ray set as well, so I ended up watching all six of them kind of um, <laughs> over a week and stuff. So that was good. So that kind of set me off on a weekend of, I think, for that in terms of the Rocky films. Theatre-wise, I couldn't even tell you. Go on. Um, I, th- I think it was, it was a panto at the Hamilton Townhouse in December of 2019 might have been the last time I was at a theatre. I saw a wrestling show at the Pavilion Theatre in March, a couple, literally about two or three days before lockdown was announced. Um, I was in the Pavilion with 2,000 people, which wasn't the healthiest of things to do. Um, yeah. But I guess that's, that's wrestling, I guess, which is a type of theatre, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. So yeah, not not that I can, I don't, what about you, Ian, in terms of last uh, It was Play a Pie and a Pint. Ah, right, okay, yeah. Uh, a play that Angie Darcy had directed and, uh, I had a few friends in it. Joe Freer and uh, Michelle Gallagher were in it. I can't cool. remember the name of it offhand, but I loved it. It was excellent. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that was, that was probably about two weeks before. I can't yeah. remember. Uh, but it's it crazy, right? crazy now, but, yeah, there was... Um, but, yeah, so it's... It, it, yeah, the sooner it comes back, the better. No, right? I know. I'm missing that. What about you, Aaron? What about you? Theatre um, and cinema. Theatre. Uh, well, I suppose I I watched a panto in Hull every night for about two months uh, <laughs> from on stage. So I guess that was it. Um, right. And I think the light the lighthouse was the last thing I saw in the movies. When was that again? Oh, yeah. Early that was quite early yeah. twenty twenty. Uh, I saw yeah. it. Oh, was that was his name Fastbender? Was that make Fastbender? No, no. Uh, um, oh God. Help me out here. Uh, who was it again? Wait, I'll see it, Jeff. Oh, uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe and... Um, Willem Dafoe and Robert that's Pattinson. That's the one. Yeah. Robert Pattinson, Cedric Diggory. Yeah. A future yeah. Batman. A strange old film, that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, actually, it was. Uh, I'm thinking about that play. It was called When the Penny Dropped, and it was exactly a year ago this last week. Wow. Oh, wow. So it was quite close to lockdown, isn't it? Isn't it crazy how the time flies when you're doing that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, here's another question. What What are you looking forward to most reopening then in terms of when, when, when lockdown is finally lifted? Not to bring the mood down to the podcast, but when talking about lockdown again, but what are you looking forward to most in terms of just a, a bit of a novelty, you know? 
Uh, you mean in terms of going to see things or just anything? In general, would it be the cinema? Is that the thing you're looking forward to the most? Or, or um, No, I'm looking forward to, I want to go to, go out and have a, watch a cabaret or something. Oh. Or, you know, or what's that place that I've got friends that work there, dancers, um, is in the Merchant City cabaret place. So I've, you know, I was talking about this last night, actually. Yeah, something like that, or just restaurants. Just you know, yeah, what I, mean? I, I think, think people, fine. I mean, I'm not the most social of people, but even I'm can't wait to get to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah, thought like, I'd miss a night out. Never thought I'd miss I a know, night out. Right. Yeah, yeah. The restaurants probably mine. I'm, I'm buzzing to go to a restaurant, and of course, going back to the cinema and stuff. But that that stuff can wait. I'm looking forward to seeing more people and stuff. You know, and I miss hugging folk. You know what I mean? Like just like being around yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like the theaters to open, not so I can go, but so I can maybe get a job. <laughs> that's it. Maybe that should have been the bog standard yeah. answer. Well, that's that's the only way actors see the theatres because they can't afford to go. No, right? not, not going. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. yeah, tickets are far too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, yeah. you need to have a real job to go to the theatre. <laughs> what Sa- Simon or, Callow or, did? Or a, have a mate. Simon it? Callow did a piece in the stage like last year, and he was he said something like, "I can't afford to go and see what I want to see on the West End or something." I was like, "You can't afford it." Yeah. Yeah, we're stuffed. Yeah. Uh-huh. We yeah, are stuffed. Yeah. Well, on that note, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Good Bit Podcast. Thank you to Aaron and Ian for joining me once again. And we'll be back next week with another brand new episode chatting about one of the most important films in cinema history here on the brand new season of the Good Bit Podcast. Take care of yourselves, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.